Welcome to Beach Houses and Babies, a private practice recap podcast. I'm Sam. On today's episode, we'll be chatting all about private practice season four, episode 11. Episode 11, if you don't know me by now, was written by Zahir McGee and directed by Eric Stoltz. It aired on January 6th, 2011. Enjoy! Today, we have a very special guest host yet again on the pod. You know her as Science with Sarah. Please welcome chemist, forensic toxicologist, PhD candidate, animal rescuer, currently with a bunch of animals, which we'll hear about in her apartment, Um, ice cream expert, incredible care package maker, my friend and yours. She and I have the same initials. This is Sarah. Hi, everybody. (laughs) I like that I wave at you even though no one can see me. A lot of people do that. I feel like I do it when I'm guests on things too. We just do, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And that was a double handed wave, dear listeners. Like jazz hands, kind of. Yeah, like jazz hands. Jazz hands. (laughs) Oh, gosh. What are you reading and or watching right now? So um, reading-wise, I'm pretty sure I gave this answer last time. I'm reading scientific articles because I'm doing my PhD. Um, yes. But recently, and our friend of the pod, Jade, will love this, have been obsessed with Winona Earp, which Jade, listeners, Jade has been getting Sam and I to watch Winona Earp since we've been doing a Buffy watch. And I finally jumped into it. And oh my gosh, Sam. <laughs> It's so Have you good. It yet? It's so good. I haven't. <laughs> I blew through the first three seasons because uh, they're just so good and quippy. It's like Buffy, but like for adults. Oh. But it's like quick, like the West Wing. It's yeah. So good. So I blew through the first three seasons. There's four of them. And then Jade is probably very frustrated with me because I like blew through those and then made myself stop because I was like, no, I have to savor it now. <laughs> I know. That's how I am. I have one season left. Yeah, Margot had me start watching ER, and it's 15 seasons, and I've only been watching since, like, the end of June. Um, mm-hmm. It's now October, and I'm on the 15th season. I'm, like, halfway through the 15th oh, season. Yeah, so I okay. am now savoring it. I used to just blow through, like, basically a season every two or three days, but now yeah. I'm, like – gotta take it slow well and that'll be so i watched er when it was like on yeah when i first was exposed to er i didn't like finish it off until probably a few years ago because you know how it is like yeah i was watching it but then by the time it was like the i don't know 11th season or so i was in college and so i wasn't keeping up with it and and so i did go back and watch them all and they close it up nicely so i'm excited for you i know i'm I'm very excited. I'm watching on HBO, so they have the little, like, stills that you can see. Mm -hmm. And I see that Peter is in a still later, and then I see that Carter and Susan are in a still even later. And I'm like, oh, boy. (laughs) Because, yeah. yeah, Okay, I was texting Margot about this, but I'll just say it to you, and I know that um, our other listener, Sarah, who I was talking to about Midnight, so dear listeners – if you are a fellow Swifty, you can um, message me about Midnight's and we can talk about it. Currently, a favorite song is Bejeweled and Maroon. There's this like – there's this thing that I saw that is like all this Swifty stuff is like QAnon, but for people who are pleasured to have in class. <laughs> so you look everywhere for these Easter eggs. 
Oh my god, this is incredible. <laughs> you look everywhere for these Easter eggs, and like some of them definitely make sense. Like she does everything on like 13s because 13 is her favorite number, and like all okay. of these little things. Really funny. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm I'm not a Swifty. I I know a lot That's of people okay. who are Swifties, so I've been following the discourse mostly because I don't have a choice if I go on social media. Yeah. <laughs> but it's okay. Yeah. I I was never really into her until 1989 and that was like my senior year of college and my friends and I used to just listen to it in the car and it was just so the good memories surround it and then after that I was just like keeping up with it but now I you know separate of all of them unapologetically love it that's okay <laughs> there's nothing wrong because with it. I feel I believe that she is like one of the great lyricists of our generation and of like the 21st century as a whole just the way like if she wrote a poetry book I feel like it would be super powerful I could see that yeah people really want her to write a Broadway musical I support it please cast me and Melissa we could like be the stars together that would be great I think that would be wonderful yeah yeah so yeah what was I what was I even saying yeah talk to me about midnight's um what were oh i was talking about winona earp and then you started talking oh yeah oh er er (laughs) er ER. we're good it's fine (laughs) cool 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 so i i'm going super slow now that i'm almost done with er because i don't want it to be over i feel like i'm at the point where like any major things that would be spoiled for me like deaths of characters or relationships or anything like that i'm like kind of at the point where that's over because after like i don't know season eight or nine i was like these characters can have nothing good happen for them like every time someone is pregnant something is wrong like anytime people are together in like romantic ways something terribly goes wrong like nothing goes well for these people so after finally i was like I'm not going to care about any more of these characters. Of course, I started to care about one of the characters, <laughs> and he died tragically. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nope. I. That's who I guessed in my head. So. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Cool. Doing the whole like, Denny. Yeah. Deluca, Mark Sloan thing of like Henry. Henry too. Yeah. Of being like, <laughs> I'm. I'm very injured, but I'm okay. No, I'm not. I'm dead. Well, I'm dead. It's, I'm dead. It's funny because when you started to talk about like they start to be happy and then they can't be happy anymore because a tragic thing happens to them. I was like, oh, this sounds like Grace. <laughs> yeah. 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 Look at that. Yeah. Television shows following the same pattern. Who would have guessed? <laughs> <laughs> oh, but I think the reason I started to bring it up is because Peter and John Carter are what I believe they were trying to make mark sloan and jackson avery oh totally the like yes mentor mentee thing of like i'm gonna show you how to do it yep hard agree and i would say i would say they kind of tried to do it again with christina and what's his face and that felt more successful to me like i don't know if it's because he ultimately followed her you know, to like, so I don't know if that added gravity to it in my zeitgeist, but like that felt a lot more successful to me than like the Mark and Jackson thing. Yeah, it did. Shane, right? Shane? Mm. Yes, Shane. I yeah. was going to say Sean, but it was definitely Shane. That's what I was also going to say Sean, yeah. but I was like, that's, that's not <laughs> right. <Definitely> Shane. <laughs> so my plan 
was to start either Friday Night Lights or Wine on a Herb after I was done with ER. So Friday Night Lights was good. I did watch that. And I think I texted you guys when I started watching it because listeners, I grew up in Ohio and in Ohio, football rules like football Mm -hmm. is king and that's kind of how it is in Pennsylvania too so like Sam understands like football is king and so I started watching Friday Night Lights because I'm obsessed with One Tree Hill somebody told me that they kind of had the same vibe they were around the same time so I was like all right sure I'll try it out the very first like pilot episode I cried so like obviously it it got me and Sam it wasn't even like anything dramatic like something dramatic does happen in the first episode, but I was crying within the first five minutes where they were just like talking about high school football. And I was like, oh gosh, uh-huh. this is home. Like I know this is yeah. Texas, but Ohio high school football is a lot like Texas football. Um, yeah, they're like the same thing in different fonts, yeah, really, and, Texas and Ohio. And again, listeners, I grew up in Ohio, but I, I grew up 20 minutes away from the Pro Football Hall of Fame. So like this is how much football is like ingrained in me. Friday Night Lights was cute. It was cute. I liked it. It definitely, like many high school dramas that have to stay in high school, struggles later. Yeah. But it was cute. I think you should watch it. I will say you'll get through Winona or faster. That's what I'm thinking. Because it's only 12 episode seasons and there's only four. Oh, okay. So I'll do that next. Yeah. So that'd but... be a good bite-sized chunk if you want a bite-sized chunk. I want a bite-sized. <laughs> After a 15-season also... show. <laughs> Yeah, I'll be like, wow, that was so quick. Right? (laughs) The issue, it's not an issue, it's a good thing. It's an embarrassment of riches, really, is that last night, thanks to my Vizio TV, this is not even an ad, I discovered that you can watch seasons two and three of Canada's Drag Race for free Yes, on Vizio Watch Free TV. I saw you share that on Instagram and I was like, oh, now I wish I had a Vizio TV. (laughs) I know. Because that sounds like fun. (laughs) It's it's like I've been waiting to watch that. So people are like, oh, well, why don't you just do like the free trial of WoW Presents Plus? Dear listeners, it's because I did that with season one of Canada's Drag Race. Right. (laughs) Like three years ago. Yeah, you already took advantage. Yeah, so... I um and I'm too busy now to watch like do I, I like binged it because yeah. you only have five days yeah so you have to watch like the whole thing yeah but so I'm gonna watch Canada's Drag Race while I'm finishing ER because I'm gonna you know need it yes then I'll watch White and Earp and then I'll watch Friday Night Lights I love Friday Friday Night Lights just keeps putting keeps like going back in the and to be honest it's probably okay like I. It's okay. It'll still be there. Watch it. Yeah, watch it. It'll still be there. It'll be waiting for you. It'll be for yeah. you. I think for you, it'll be the same kind of nostalgia it was for me. It's going to feel kind of cozy for that, yeah. especially like the first season. You're like, oh, I'm home. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, but no, it's it was cute. I liked it. Oh, good. Sorry. Orphe graced us with his presence for about two seconds, <gasps> but his yeah, so retreated back to the we... bedroom. <laughs> Or if they, oh, he can't hear me. Well, the, the sun is in there. And you know how, guys, sun hippo. Listeners, if you leave this in, obviously cut it out if you want to. Listeners, my dog is obsessed with sun pigging. He really loves to lie in the sunshine as much as possible. And this time of day, there's only sunshine in the bedroom. So, yeah. I guarantee so you. So tell us about, 
tell us about your your zoo, your Sarah's home for animals. <laughs> yeah, so uh, my home permanently has uh, one, two, three, four, five, six creatures aside from myself are permanent residents in this very small apartment. Uh, there's three frogs, an oxalotl, a hedgehog, and then my dog, Orphe. I also periodically have temporary residents in this household, and I have some right now. So I am a foster for the local animal shelter for Pima County Animal Shelter here in Tucson, Arizona. Uh, specifically, I foster neonatal kittens. So kittens who are brought into the shelter without a mom, but are not old enough to be without a mom just yet. So they are kittens that I bottle feed. Uh, depending on how old they are, when I got this crew, they were 10 days old. So I started out bottle feeding them every two hours. Yes, that does mean in the middle of the night too. Um, so it's a lot of work. And then as they get older, you can kind of space the time out more. But I've had this crew, oh gosh, like almost four weeks. Yep, here's Orphe. Hi, Orphe. <laughs> oh, that's my buddy. Hi, babe. Good boy. Uh, for the listeners at home, Orphe has snuck up behind me and put his head essentially on my shoulder. So He's the bestest boy. He's a very good boy. Um, but no, so this litter of foster kittens, they're almost five weeks old. They'll be five weeks old tomorrow. They're starting to eat on their own, which is a big deal. Three of them have already been claimed, which is real cool. Uh, this is the first time I've had a litter where people are starting to adopt them before I even am done raising them. <laughs> but one of them does still need a home. Her name is Augustine, and she is a tiny little black cat. She's the runt of the litter. Uh, they hilariously named her Velcro when she first came into the shelter because she really does act like Velcro. Like she <laughs> latches onto you with her tiny little claws and does not let go no matter what you do. And she she cracks me up because she's a black cat, but her claws are white. So she looks like she has French tips. Oh, <laughs> she's real cute. They're coming back into style. If you guys are local to Arizona, uh, that includes Phoenix, by the way. One of the adopters is from Phoenix. So like you don't have to be in Tucson. Uh, if you're local to Arizona and you're looking for adopting a cute little black cat, you can go follow me over on Sick Kid Chemist. I post videos of them constantly and you can reach out to me there and I will send you the paperwork and we'll see what we can get figured out. Can you talk about why you named this litter what you named them? Every litter has a theme. When yes. you get them, they have names starting with the same letter because there's a letter of the day at the shelter. Yeah. <laughs> but when they come to you, they get very special names. So we've had like strong female names. Mm -hmm. We've had favorite character names. So can you tell us about this letter? Because I love it. Yeah. So this letter, um, I picked them up on October 1st. And so I wanted to kind of make them spooky, but I didn't want to make them have very strong Halloween names for the whole year, right? Because like yeah, Halloween is just, is just October. <laughs> like it's that's it. I know everybody wants to live Halloween the whole year and I get it. I like spooky season too. But I don't want them to have to live with those names. So I named them after uh spooky or like ghost town cities in the US. So um there's NOLA for New Orleans. There is Salem for Salem, Massachusetts. And there's Savannah for Savannah, Georgia. And then Augustine for St. Augustine in Florida. <laughs> I love it. I truly love it. It's fun, you know, because like the shelter's just giving them names because they have to give them a name to go into the system. Like they have to have names. To give the shelter credit, they're naming hundreds of animals a day. So it's hard. 
to keep coming up with names, right? I have more time with them. I get to know their personalities. So yeah, each litter has a theme and this theme is spooky U.S. cities. Why not? Yeah. So do you have anything else to promote? No, I think last time I talked to you guys about continuing to be smart in a pandemic. So I will just reiterate that again. Yeah. Wear masks. Yeah. Get boosted. 100%. Do the smart things, please. Because people like me are getting real tired. (laughs) (laughs) Tired is a kind word for it. Yes, I'm being very politically correct. (laughs) Yeah. And where can we find you online? Uh, You can find me... I say, like, I have TikTok and Twitter, but I really don't use them. Um, so Instagram is the place to find me, and it's Sick Kid Chemist, all one word, uh, on Instagram. And you can go there to learn about my genetic condition, the research that I do, the creatures that I have, the plants that I take care of, and just any assortment of things. <laughs> yes. And ceramics? Oh, yeah. I'm obsessed with, like, weird neat pottery pottery and earrings those are my two like creative vices like I just love all of the weird pottery and all the beautiful beaded earrings that I get from indigenous artists like obsessed got good style yeah well I have my style <laughs> true all true to me <laughs> true so Since we now know where to find you online, I'm just going to remind our dear listeners that we are going to be talking a bit about EVS. And if you have questions for Sarah, just send her a message and be like, hey, I have a question. Is it a good time for me to ask you this question? Yes. Or if you'd like, you can send them to BHAB Podcast and we can do that process for you and get back to you on that. But please don't just put in her dms hello i have a very traumatic question ready or not here comes the traumatic question i appreciate the disclaimer because yes i'm a very busy human with a very complicated very complicated feelings uh (laughs) i get a little overwhelmed if you just come and trauma bomb in my dms so thank you sam i'm glad you're not friends in real life with dr violet turner (laughs) it's funny that you say that (laughs) because i had (laughs) worked on that today (laughs) yeah yeah I thought of you a lot when we were doing the whole like Violet talking to Charlotte and very like inappropriately trauma bonding. And then this time Charlotte said thank you, but we'll get to that. (sighs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I would like you to know that when I listened to those episodes, I nodded alongside what you were saying, just like I am doing right now. (laughs) I love to hear it. I love to hear it. (laughs) All right. So... If there isn't anything else, I will do our patient breakdown for Season 4, Episode 11. We have First Notes and Miscellaneous, per usual. We have Susan Grant with Stage 4 Ovarian Cancer. There should be more in there because she has liver cancer now as well and because they're connected. And I don't know what other kinds of cancer, but Addison is Addison is Addison and she's fine now. (laughs) Spoiler alert, Susan's fine by the end of the episode somehow. And we're going to do all the Addison and Busy stuff in with Susan. We have Corey Ramsey with a skull fracture and cerebral edema. And then we are going to be talking about our Charlotte aftermath, which if you're looking to avoid that, the timestamps will be in our show notes. I also put in a section about Violet's book because I felt like there was too much for it to go in miscellaneous. But if you don't have a lot about that, we can put it in miscellaneous. 
I actually separated it out within my Sweet. miscellaneous. Okay. So, so we'll just put that in its own section. Yep. Yeah. That works. All right. Scrolling down to my notes. What's your first note? My first note is <laughs> the way Addison is hopping to this. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Do- do you mean physically uh, hopping yeah. to get her shoes on? Because that was also something. Oh, I meant more just like the way she just busy says jump and Addison says. Oh, hi. yeah. Like it just. Oh, gosh. And and it's funny, Sam. I even wrote this down in my notes. I was like, oh, no, my trauma is going to show <laughs> again on this show. And my thoughts on the episode, just like it did last time. And and that being my first note felt like a great example of that. <laughs> Yeah. Mm-hmm. What about yours? My first, my first note is that first shot is ominous. That dark house and the wind. We, yeah. I don't know what it is about like dark shots on the beach versus other places, but the windy yeah. darkness on the beach always feels super and the ominous. Sounds, and the fact that we don't yes. really ever start with something dark. It's usually like da 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 da. The sun's out. We're going into the office. We're walking yeah, on the shots beach. of the city. Or, yeah. Street yep. signs. Yeah. And then I said, trouble in Sam Addison paradise, it seems. It does kind of seem. Yeah. I don't have any more first notes because it really went straight into Susan and Busy. Yep. Yep. And that literally was my only first note. So Amazing. yeah, I'm right there with you. My first Susan Addison Busy is when Addison says, Busy never asks anyone for anything. I said, I don't know if I believe that. I believe that she maybe, yeah. maybe she does not ask for things, but she expects them to be done. That's precisely what my assessment was as well like she doesn't have to actually say it but she's just busy and so everybody does precisely what she expects them to do (sighs) yeah i yeah yeah. (laughs) obviously i have feelings about this uh let's see here i just have that slap i just didn't have a note on it i uh my note says no do not slap her especially (laughs) Right after how, like, right before Busy slapped her, Addison was telling, I think, Sam, how, or no, who was it she was standing next to before she went into Susan's room, and she was like, Busy never held my hand. Was it? D- and then she goes in there and Busy slaps her, and I'm like. Ugh. Yeah. I believe like, it was Amelia. You were just. I think you're right. Yes. Yeah, I think you're right. It just. <sighs> I really don't like Busy. I know. I I believe that she is a product of her environment. No, she is. Just the fact of like even how Addison is dressing different and presenting herself differently. And Addison is just a different person when her mom is there. Which I didn't really feel when the captain was there. No. No, Addison felt very Addison when the captain was there. And I don't know if just because of her previous disdain yeah, for the yeah. captain. Yeah, she was kind of like, you know? it'll be what it'll so be. So she was just like, yes, and was like defiant, and no, I will act exactly how I want to act because I don't like you, versus Busy, where maybe she doesn't like her, but she at least respects her. I think she wants to impress her. Maybe. Yeah, I think you're right. Oh my god, your next note. <laughs> oh, yes. <Sorry>. Yes. <laughs> you said... 
Busy and Ellis Gray would have hated each other or been best friends. There were a lot of sentences that Busy said. She basically could have said, I expected you to be extraordinary and you're nothing but ordinary. But she just said it in different words. The thing is, though, I think, I mean, Ellis, obviously, she wasn't able to be as free-minded as Busy is. But I don't yeah. I don't think that Ellis thought at the time. I think she I mean she only knew Meredith as an intern and below, barely. Yeah. So she really thought she was like, oh man, like this girl is gonna turn out just to be like basic, ordinary slap Uggs and a PPSL on her and she's ready to go. Well, and what kind of drives me I, I agree with you and I see the parallel. And I could see Busy saying those things, but what kind of drives me nuts is like both of them, um, but particularly Addison, they are products of their masters. So like Ellis is screaming about how Meredith is ordinary and it's like Meredith gives her that speech. Like, why do you think I'm ordinary? And it's the same thing with Addison. Like... Busy could say that to Addison and Addison would be like, yeah, but why do you think I'm exactly like this? It's mm. because Yes, you. but <laughs> Busy, we find out when she's talking to Sam, Busy believes that Addison is the best and that's why she came here. So I think that's yeah. the difference between Busy and Ellis is Ellis never yeah, got to true. see Meredith thriving in her career she only saw her in the educational stages when busy truly believes that addison is the best yeah that's true yeah that's true i just with busy it's like i feel like with ellis if she would have recognized that in meredith it would have been a point of pride for her versus busy where it's it's a point of expectation well like yes you are the best but of course you're the best you had to be yeah I wouldn't expect – I would want you to be the best no matter what. Not because I'm proud of you, but because you you have to be to make me look good. You know? Yes. That part. Yikes. That's it. That's it right there. Yeah. Ding, ding, ding. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Do you think Ellis and Busy would have hated each other or been best friends? They would have been frenemies for sure. Like they would have gone through – They. Uh, I just finished a Scandal rewatch and – I feel like Busy and Ellis would have been like Cyrus and Liv. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Like we will work together sometimes to get to this common goal, but mostly we're just going to like nag on each other and expose each other's dirt. Like, (laughs) you know, I I could see that between the two of them. Yeah, appreciate the brilliance in each of them, but Mm -hmm. yeah, wanting to one up to be the best. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. My next note is that calling Dr. Rodriguez in, bold. (sighs) So my first note about Dr. Rodriguez literally says, why do I feel like I don't like this guy? Something happens. I can't remember. Why do I feel like I don't like this guy? Like he felt so smarmy to me. Uh, I don't know if it's because I, I feel like I got a bad taste in my mouth with him because of his persistence when like after Addison when she's with Sam and has made that abundantly clear. I don't know. Cause he keeps asking her help yeah. <laughs> and he keeps like insinuating that she asked him to consult on this case because she wants to go out with him. Like he just, ugh, I don't yeah. like him. Okay. 
I'm making quite the face yeah. right now. <laughs> and I'm saying, uh, I'm just going to let that, let that, let yeah, that no, lie okay. there. Okay. I think yeah. that's fine. N- Naomi says to Addison, it's not like your relationship can get any worse. <laughs> just leaving that there. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. 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 I can't tell when we're in the surgery now. I can't tell if Dr. Rodriguez's scrub cap is snowflakes or hibiscus flowers. It looked like flowers yeah, to me. But it's like blue, icy. It was a strange, strange choice yeah. for flowers. It, you know, I agree. I agree. It's a weird scrub yeah, cap. But then sure. we got to see Addison and her, so I'm thrilled. Yeah. We also got to see Addison on Grey's Anatomy. So in real lifetime, her first episode was a week ago. When this airs, it'll be three weeks ago. So whatever we talk about will be moot. So I guess we just yes. won't. But thrilled to see her. Hope she stays. I will never be yes. mad about Addison being on our screen. If Charlotte comes as well, Heck I no. will be in heaven. Oh my gosh, that would be lovely. But yeah. Yeah. No, I'm I'm always happy to see Addison on yeah. the screen. And it it was like this last episode of Grey's again, you know, and we've talked about this and and they talk about it on the on call room pod. Felt a li- little heavy-handed with the trying to feel like a real world situation, but I think and even that didn't sway me from the fact that I was happy to see Addison. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I think that like I think that we all need to adjust our perspectives a little bit and understand that like we know about mm-hmm. these things like we know about women's health in this country because we're women but not everybody who watches Grey's is gonna know so maybe that's why they get heavy-handed with it I don't know regardless I was happy to see Addison and hopefully in the future we'll look back at it like we do those episodes of things that quote-unquote yes aren't a problem anymore like a lot of the homophobia and the transphobia we won't yeah hopefully we'll be like oh i remember a time where ob's had to wear black scrubs because women and people with uteruses bodies are under attack i remember that time so yeah (laughs) listeners i'm crossing my fingers and nodding my head (laughs) i i i'm looking at because i'm in my rewatch i'm on season five now of however many rewatches I have of Grace. Um, yes, I'm watching all of these things concurrently, <laughs> dear listeners. Girl, I don't know how. <laughs> My next note is Mama Trauma. And then under that, <laughs> I have Passive Spectator. Busy calls Addison a passive spectator after she is like yeah. doing everything she can, whether she thinks it's right or not to save Susan. Well, and, and you tell me when you think it's an appropriate time to talk about it, but I would like to talk about Susan and like the conditions yes, and like now, the treatments that Addison wants to now do. Now is a great time. I just have one more thing to say before okay. you start. Yeah, go I for it. I don't know what Addison what Addison's end game here is. Like intellectually, she knows that Susan does not have much time left. So at the beginning, yeah, she tries the soft soft blow of saying Susan's gonna die. And then she goes more intellectually yeah. to busy of we could do these things, but Susan will be miserable. And it really reminded me of like when Maggie's mom was sick of Maggie and um, Bailey a little bit trying to do everything they could to save this person they love, whether or not 
the person who is sick wants that or not. Yeah. So I'm wondering what Addison and she might just not even be thinking about that at this point of what is my end game here because I think she probably just hopes that Susan peacefully passes away and it's not even a thing of she can yeah. get to the hospital. Not that we want Susan to be yeah. ill or to pass away, but no, but we would like to be a gentle process yeah. for Susan. We don't want Susan to put herself under undue stress or undue pain, yeah. you know, when we know what the end result is going yeah. to be. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like that is what Susan was sort of trying to say to Addison before Busy comes in. Yes. She's like, I'm doing this for your mom, like whatever your mom needs. I love your mom. I don't want her to be sad. And I certainly don't want to be the cause yeah. of this sadness. Yeah. yeah. So, yes, please take it away, Science with Sarah. I feel like you should yeah, have the okay, jingle. So- I don't know who would write the jingle, oh. but on um, a podcast we love called Buffering, every character has a jingle, but I feel like Sarah, Science yeah. with Sarah needs a jingle. I don't know what it would be. I don't either. Science with Sarah. I, I, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I feel like if I got one, I would just be embarrassed by it. No, so. this is just a, <laughs> so I wrote it just now. Science with Sarah. <laughs> Uh, okay. So, uh, so Susan has, she has stage four ovarian cancer. And when Addison went in to do surgery, she found that like the cancer had actually invaded into like major blood vessels, but ultimately also into the liver. Um, and this is where my brain went because listeners, I am getting my PhD in pharmacology and toxicology and my lab specifically, focuses on researching these enzymes called P450 enzymes that are responsible for metabolizing drugs and other things in your body like steroids. And so I know the liver really well. Cancer that invades into the liver is pretty scary um, because the liver has lots and lots of jobs. So it detoxifies substances it metabolizes drugs but it also does things like makes clotting factors it produces a compound called glutathione which is responsible for like um, getting rid of radical compounds compounds that aren't good for your tissues Um, it's also responsible for doing things like metabolizing cholesterol and bile acids and so it does a lot of really important things for just maintaining what we call homeostasis, which is just like your body's normal function. So anytime that a cancer or injury, whatever involves the liver, that's essentially why Addison went in there and was like, okay, well, it's in her liver now. So it's just about making Susan comfortable. You know, like it, if it's not easily resected from a liver, then it's, it's really going to cause a lot of damage to that person's just like normal day-to-day function. Mm -hmm. And so we we understand Busy's need and want to hold on to her person. Like, we get that. But poor Susan, man, that's just like, it's rough. As soon as the liver is involved, things things get really hard. And then the science-y stuff, in addition to that, I don't know if you want to talk about it yet because we haven't really introduced the concept, um, but Addison eventually proposes getting in there to do surgery with the Da Vinci. Yeah, we're almost there, so why not? Yeah. Yeah, take it away. Oh, you... Okay, cool. So Addison wants to get in and do surgery with the Da Vinci, which we've heard about from Grey's at this point, I believe, which is this, like, robot surgical tool. It's 
really yeah. cool and they do actually exist. Um, and, and she's right that she mentions that like she can get into places with a Da Vinci that she can't get into with just her hands and surgical tools. And then the other thing that she suggests Dr. Rodriguez is going to come in and help her do this is to put hot chemo into Susan while they're in surgery. So hot chemo is actually kind of a like controversial chemotherapeutic um, strategy. So when it first came out, which was like the early 2010s. It's very new now. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It tracks. In our world. It was like there weren't a lot of studies on it. And most of the patients that that survived, you would go back and interview them and they would say that they wish they hadn't done it because it just like ravages the body so mm-hmm. much. So when chemotherapy is warmed, it is more effective. It's able to like permeate, aka soak into tissues better. And so it can have like a way higher effect. Um, which is good for cancer, but as we know, like a lot of cancer drugs don't just attack yeah. cancer tissue, they attack normal tissue too. And then the other thing that was interesting about hot chemo, and the only reason I bring it up is because somebody actually comments later on about how tired Addison must be, yeah. is that there was a lot of controversy about it within the medical community because doctors were talking about how exhausting it was to do it. Because they would have to do this like 14 hour long surgery where they tried to resect all the the Mm. cancer and then do this like chemo infusion for another four to six hours afterwards. So there was a lot of like conversation around like, is this worth the stress that we're putting on the doctors to do it? Is it even healthy to be under anesthesia for that long? It, well, anesthesia in general, you know, there's, there's a famous quote in toxicology and I'm going to butcher it, but it essentially is like anything can be a poison. It just depends on the dose. So anesthesia in and of itself is not really great for you, <laughs> um, but we we do it because we have to have a surgery, mm-hmm. right? It's, it's the lesser of two evils. The longer you're under, the harsher it is. And the longer you're under, the harder it is the next time that you have to have surgery to like keep you under anesthesia. Tolerance grows. Yes, tolerance grows. And so and and also the more often someone has anesthesia, the the risks for complications rise. And so it's not great for the patient to be under anesthesia for that long, but it's also not great for the patient to have cancer. Yeah. I would yeah. So you kinda like it's a game of balances, you know, again, lesser of two mm-hmm. evils. But yeah, that's I think that's all I have. I, thank for, you. Yeah, the science of, of that I have more for our other patient, but that's what I have for Susan. <laughs> Science with Sarah. Yeah, there you go. The jingle to close yes. out. Was good. <laughs> At twenty two fifty nine, when Sam and Busy are outside, it's a really interesting directorial choice to have the camera across the street for some of these shots it's almost yeah yeah, it's almost like saying there is traffic between us or like cluttered mind or something like that I thought it was a really interesting choice yeah I actually really liked that too it it instantly like brought you out of it and made you kind of uncomfortable about watching Mm -hmm. it like you felt like you were honing in on this conversation you weren't supposed to hear which also felt cool to me because I didn't necessarily like I appreciate Sam for standing in and trying to have these conversations with busy because obviously Addison can't do it 
But at the same time, I'm like, did Addison say you could do that? Because that feels a little bit Mm -hmm. gross to me. Like you're overstepping maybe a little bit, but okay. But at the same time, though, I really – I did appreciate Sam advocating for her because Addison was not going to advocate for herself. It was a little strange to me that it was Sam. Yeah, I would have thought it would be like Naomi. Or Amelia. Or like Amelia. Yeah. Yeah, but I think if it were Amelia, we would get the whole no filter thing of it. Right. Well, and I think the fact that it's the man in Addison's life probably holds some sort of strange patriarchal weight with Vivian yeah. as well. Um, yeah. And and <laughs> look, Addison is validated because she has this man standing up for her. Oh. That's a whole other podcast. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Y'all just so you know, I don't agree with that statement I just made. That was some very he- heavy sarcasm. Oh, but yeah. that is what the world does for us. So and here we are. I also think it was powerful that it was not Naomi who would be the other person it makes sense because Naomi has yeah. a specialty in fertility, which is the same general area. So she would have nope. talked about it in more of a medical sense where Sam could go yeah. strictly from like a look what you are doing to your daughter. Yeah. Yeah. Neither of those approaches is going to work with Vivian. No, it has to be the... <laughs> I was just trying to think which one would be better, but like neither of them. No, no. Busy said, Addison is the best. Sam says, have you ever told her that? Yes. And then Busy <sighs> says, I'm her mother. I'm her mother. That's, that's not, not my, my job. job. <sighs> that made me so mad. I was like, actually, that is your job. Yeah, to build your kid up and believe in them. Because yeah, if you don't, that, it messes them up for the whole lives. And who's going to yeah. believe in them if you don't? Yeah, no, that's... Mm, and I, I, yeah. I do. I know I have lots of friends, especially being in entertainment, that like their parents do not support them. And I'm coming from a place with very, very, very supportive parents. And I, I understand that privilege. Yeah. yeah. But on a base level, like... And I also know people who do not think that their kid is good. I have people who are like, what have I done introducing this human into the world? Like, what is happening here? And there are people who I don't see in any world, in any multiverse, in any, like, Doctor Strange of it all, anywhere busy being like, Addison, my love, you're the most wonderful friend in the world. Right. And, like, let me be clear. Like, I'm mad at busy for not saying this to Addison, for not telling Addison she's proud of her, whatever. Um, And, like, I am a human who is uncomfortable with expressing emotions. But you can still do it. Like, A, you can just, like, suck it up and do it because your human needs this. Or B, you can find other ways to express your appreciation and your pride at this human aside from just, like, I'm so happy for you. Or, like, I'm so proud of you. Like, there are other ways to do it. Busy doesn't even thank Addison. Yeah. She says, "I, I should go see Susan. Yeah. Which, yes, you should. But also you should thank your daughter for saving your girlfriend's life yeah you know your girlfriend that your daughter just found out about and is processing way better than than you deserve um to be honest but uh, yeah and the thing that really gets me is you know that like when busy is at her daughters of the american revolution luncheon or whatever she goes to she's like my daughter artisan ford's montgomery busy does not speak like Mm -hmm. this but that's how i speak for her she is the best so she's double board certified you know that she's bragging to other people but those people are not telling addison yeah she's proud of addison when it serves her yeah Just like she is Addison's mother when it is convenient for her and it serves her. 
Yes. And if it is anything other than those two things, she's not going to bother. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I. That's how I feel, apparently. Yeah. I, the feeling's mutual. Yeah. I am back now to when Sam and Addie are on the couch. I said, heart mm-hmm. eyes. Glad we got to mm-hmm. see them happy and they give us a little push to keep liking them. Because for the yeah. last many episodes, we've been on the, okay, it's time to break up train. But now it's like, okay, like these are yeah. two individually wonderful humans who do mm-hmm. care about each other. Yeah, that felt cozy to me. Yeah, yeah. Like, oh, look, you gave me my my couple back. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's heartwarming, cozy. Yeah. 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 Are they your, are they your comfort couple? No, they're not. But like the place that they've been for the last however many episodes has not been a comfort place. Oh for yes. Me. Oh no. Yeah. And this this moment, fleeting though it is, felt like a comfort place. Yeah. It so. seems like almost the whole episode, except for that first scene, has been yeah. yeah Sam stepping up and being a great yeah. human, whether or not they're boyfriend girlfriend. Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't decide if I wanted to authentically say boyfriend girlfriend, or inauthentically so it's like <laughs> boyfriend girlfriend i think either would have been appropriate <laughs> <laughs> did you notice at 32 minutes and 34 seconds there's a shot of addison's eyes looking in the da vinci machine and there's pink and violet and blue and green there's all these colors i want i want that framed and put in my studio like right here yeah it was real pretty you- it would be a it would be a good piece for your living room to tie in any colors you want. Yeah. Dear listeners, can one of you get me that shot high res enough for me to do that? If you can, please email bhabpodcast at gmail.com. Thank you very much. I don't know how to screenshot these things, and I just think it's a really, really beautiful piece. Thank you. <laughs> We're going to wish this into existence. Yeah, manifest. Yeah. I'm into the Da Vinci machine now, and mm-hmm. this is the sentence I came up with. How in the pretend medical universe knowledge did they get all of that cancer? Yeah. Is that something that is remotely mm. believable for you? I mean, it not probably not with this cancer. With some cancers, yes, some cancers have really clean margins. Like it doesn't infiltrate Like some cancer infiltrates in a really messy way. And so it's hard to kind of like figure out where the lines are. Some cancer does infiltrate in a really nice, neat way. And so it's easy for you to figure out exactly what is cancer and what's not. But this with it metastasizing to the liver from the ovary, that doesn't, I don't know. That doesn't sound like a clean margin cancer to me. But they also didn't tell us exactly what, like they said it was stage four ovarian cancer, but they didn't give us much aside from that so it's hard for me to yeah make an accurate assessment it's probably on purpose too because they know that there yeah. are people with actual scientific and medical knowledge being like what in the uh... <laughs> pretend medical <laughs> well and it may be that they, they did get it at all but they wouldn't know that quickly because like you would do the surgery you'd wait for the person to recover a little bit you'd go do a pet scan yeah. or like you go do some sort of clinical test to see if it's the cancer's lighting up anymore. It's called lighting up in a pet scan because yeah. it literally is bright. You're not going to know the minute you step out of surgery. We got all the cancer, all of it. That was going to yeah. kill her just now. We got all of it. Yeah. 
not a thank you, not a hug, not a smile. Not like literally I was only expecting like a smile and a nod. Nothing. No like acknowledgement of anything. That made me so bad. Yeah. And she goes, I should go be with Susan. Susan isn't even going to wake up for hours. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, Yeah, no, people people are out. Like, they're out. They're they're out. They don't know what's going on. I, I don't know why we feel the need to sit with people while they're – no. No. Mm-mm. Sorry. It just feels so impractical to me. And I'm the person who's usually on the bed. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't need you to sit with me if I don't even know you're there. That's fine. Go do something else. Go take care of yourself, please. Like – uh, that's frustrating. It's a disaster. It's truly just a disaster. Do you have anything before we move on to Nad- Nadison? Nadison. <laughs> Naomi, Addison, and Amelia? Nope. That's actually is my next note is Naomi and Addison and Amelia. <laughs> why don't you why don't you take it take it? Because I only have a couple more and they're I wonder if they're the same ones and I feel like I've been overtaking this conversation. No, it's fine. I talked for a really long time about liver cancer. So my first note of that scene is Amelia's speech about moms is really good. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's really good. And then I love after Amelia walks away where they, I feel like it's Naomi says it and says she's a little bit wise. And yeah. then Addison goes, yeah, it's annoying. It's <laughs> like, yes. Yeah. <laughs> That's all. Yeah. My my first note about that is when Naomi says, oh, come on, we're all family here. And I feel like it's the first time in a long time where we've seen Naomi and Addison comfortable together through yeah. all the Sam stuff. I think Naomi is sort of putting that aside to be there for her yeah. person at the moment. Which is what you do. Yeah. When Amelia says she wants to be Addison when she grows up, it got me thinking. She kind of is now. Like everyone is, yeah. everyone respects her. She's teaching. People kind of fear her. Yeah. I know. Big, big happy tears. Yeah. Yeah. Amelia's so grown up. She is. She is. My very last note is how are they drinking that much wine at work? How will they get home? Well, Uber wasn't a thing back then, so they probably took cabs, I hope. Or I don't know. Did. How close? No, no. There's no way to live that close. You could walk home. It's the beach. It's nice. But no, I guess they probably didn't live that close. Yeah, no, they probably took cabs. Well, we don't know where Ni- – we don't really know where Naomi lives. We've seen it. No. Yeah. But we don't, like, know geographically. Because, like, Addison and Sam, with their houses being right there on the beach, I always just assume that they're on a beach fairly close to work. Yeah. Like, that just – makes sense to me since work is apparently right across the street from the beach yeah right the thing is though that um no one walks in la people make fun of me for walking even when gas is eight dollars a gallon i'm like if i can walk to trader joe's and come home like i'm going to do that or like why would i drive to get coffee when i could walk there because there's no place to park is that okay yeah it's just a culture (laughs) It's I've I when I first moved here, I would walk literally anywhere I needed to go if there wasn't a highway between because that's just what I'm used to. Like in New York, you walk to the subway or you walk the whole way. There's like not really a car option. Yes. Yeah. Yes. But people were like, you walk to the grocery store? Yeah. I I walk to my pharmacy all the time. I walk to my Target all the time. Yeah. If I'm feeling up to it that day, like 
Yeah, I mean, the last note I have for Busy is that at the end of the episode, she says she's marrying Susan. So yeah, there you go. That's literally my last note. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Again, not a thank you. Didn't even let Addison ask nope. how her patient was. Came in with nope. the life you know. I'm blowing up. Yep. Hello, dear listeners. Editor Sam here. I realized that we missed a large chunk of this storyline, which is that Busy and Susan, at this point in history, being uh, January of 2011, they would not have been able to get married in California. Prop 8 was reversed in August of 2010, so they would not be able to get married in California, but I just did some research and they would be able to get married in their home state of Connecticut. So just a little history lesson to remind our younger listeners that not all couples were able to get married at this point in history in 2011 in the United States. That did not change until a few years later. All right, on with the show. On to Corey Ramsey with a skull fracture and cerebral edema. What's your first note? My first note is <laughs> he's an engineer who wants to build a 200 mile, mile per gallon car. That's my first note. And then it continues and says, yes, please. <laughs> and then it says his socks, what is on them? They made a point to zoom in on his socks. And now I must know what they have on them because people in STEM have a tendency to have weird socks, but you can't tell what's actually on his socks. They're red with like some sort of white and black something on them, but I can't tell. What I didn't even notice that. <laughs> wow. They zoomed in on his socks for like a split second when they like transferred him over to the, the gurney. Yeah, no. And and I want to know what was on his socks. Me too. <laughs> that was my first note. That's so cool. <laughs> I literally didn't even notice. Yeah. My first note is when Pete says, get me Dr. Shepard. Mm-hmm. I loved that. And we mean Amelia. Sure do. Love it. Love it. Yeah. When Amelia says, if something happened and I wasn't able to cut anymore, I don't know what I would do. I wonder if she feels the same way now, now that she teaches and mentors and has family. And I wonder if she has, if she feels that same way. Now, in ER, they talk a lot about like the importance of having a life and a passion of some sort outside of the hospital or else it'll eat you up. So I feel like that's where um, Amelia is right at that moment. But I, I wonder if she feels the same way now. Yeah. To answer your hypothetical question, I feel like she probably feels differently now. And to kind of comment on this further, I had some, there were some things about this storyline that made me feel icky. Oh, yeah. Um, from an, Super from ableist. an ableist standpoint. Yeah. Um, like everybody, I should preface this by saying everybody is entitled to their own choices when it comes to these sorts of things. Um, but their but own choices. I think that it's important if they examine those own choices in the lens of what an ableist society has taught them is a worthy life or a life worth living because that makes a big difference. And to further what I think you were about to say, your own choices. Yes, that is what I was going to say. 
what choices other people are going to make for you. And let me reiterate at this point how important it is to make sure that y'all have a power of attorney, have a medical power of attorney set up, keep your legal paperwork together when it comes to that sort of thing. Because then if you do something like have a wife and a mistress, they're going to fight over who knows you best. Uh, <laughs> and maybe the one who doesn't know you best is the one who's going to make the decisions. So, you know, just like do your paperwork, make sure you got that crap together. I know it's sad and depressing and scary, but like do it anyway. Yeah. Please. <laughs> I have more silly sciencey things here for you for this guy too not silly just sciencey <laughs> okay so um when they bring him in pete says he has what's called a battle sign wait science with sarah <laughs> go ahead okay. take it away uh so when they bring him in pete says he has what's called a battle sign um battle sign is is just a medical term for a, a bruise no joke over the mastoid process which is this like bump at the back of your temporal bone it's kind of like right behind your ear mm-hmm. um you can feel it kind of stick out right there it's got like two foramen in it which are holes for blood vessels and so if the blood vessels that go through there get jostled around a lot and they start leaking you'll get a bruise there um and so that can be indicative of like a skull fracture in that area or of even just like a really harsh concussion the only thing that i have take issue with here is that typically battle signs don't show up for about a day (laughs) (laughs) so like fine fine whatever uh the other thing i'll note here is he mentions giving him mannitol because he has high pressure inside of his skull um so mannitol is just a sugar alcohol but it's a diuretic and so you can use it to make um blood vessels kind of like constrict yeah Mm-hmm. And so then that would bring the pressure down inside the brain. Okay. Yeah. Science with Sarah. Another girlfriend and wife situation. Another one. This happens yeah. so often. I. Well, and it. Uh, and again, this is my own lens on things. But like, why are men? Yes. Um, but also, it bothers me a lot that like these two women. I mean, they don't talk about the girlfriend, what she does very much, but like the wife mentions that she's also a scientist and we don't get to hear about any of that. Yeah. Like, so it was like, we have this wife, we have this girlfriend, we have this man who's an engineer and a scientist. And despite the fact that he has a wife he was cheating on and got another person pregnant, he's still the one we're very focused in on. Yes. Yeah. This story does not pass the Bechtel test. (laughs) No, no, it does not. Uh, it was kind of gross. Yeah, more than kinda. It was it, the both of this these actors, especially the wife, did an incredible job of turning on a dime, acting wise. Yes, and just really, really incredible work. Yeah, on this yeah. on these actors' part. Yeah, she did because she. She had to do some cringy things. Oh, yeah. Talk about how, well, I supported him and I'm his wife. And so I'm the one who gets to, it's like, okay, yes, you supported him and you're his wife. But like, that's, those, those are your vows. Yeah. Like you're, you're just meeting the baseline requirement. Yeah. So like, you know. And um, and then at the end, when the girlfriend says to the wife, he always talked about how you got him to where he was. 
it was yeah. very, he is the son, you are not. Yeah, the whole thing was just kind of gross. Also, not to mention that Pete breaks Hitler. Oh, 100%. By filling the girlfriend in entirely on what's going on. Yeah. So, you know, uh, the wife could have done that. To be clear, like, family members are not bound to HIPAA, yeah. just doctors. So, like, the wife could have told the girlfriend, but Pete can't tell the girlfriend. Yeah. That's not how this works. <sighs> when the girlfriend comes around the corner in the shadow and says, he'd want to see his child born. I think I laughed out loud, just like the way that that was set up. Yeah. And how much dramatic television I watch. It's like, it was weird. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> to commercial. It was weird. It felt very, um, very dramatic yeah. for not a very dramatic thing. No. <laughs> and then we cut to Pete, and his eyes are like, uh, what's going on? <laughs> like, what? <laughs> like a record scratch. Like, what did you say? <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah. Yeah. My very last note for Corey is. This is conditional love. Mm -hmm. It is. Not unconditional love. It's conditional love. Agreed. Mm -hmm. My very last note is responding, in quotes, is a very vague term. People reaction is good, but is very one small thing. One very small thing. So let's not all hang our hat on the fact that this dude's fine. (laughs) Like, people reaction is, is not is the very baseline yeah. for like responsiveness yeah so you know which rolls into your conditional love thing because they're both like yeah he's gonna be fine and it's like yeah you're only happy because you think he hasn't changed at all yeah like, and the fact that the scientist cool. wife isn't like specifically what are these reactions yeah. like yes yep that also felt really unrealistic especially after you hear like like he told the story or she told the story of like when they got engaged like it was very like transactional. It's gonna sound bad. I don't. Yeah, I was gonna say it sounds very business transactional, and I know I'm making that sound bad, but like to be honest, if I get engaged, that's how I want it. To be. Yeah, I want it to be like pomp and circumstance. It's just like no, this this is a thing yeah. we're going to do. Okay, cool, done. She sounds way more practical and not like she would be someone who just hangs her hat on a pupil reaction. Yes. So that felt very undeveloped. Yeah. And how she just walks out is really powerful. I was also thinking about how last time you were on, I believe it was last time you were on, it might have, you were like, we're not asking this person how they feel. And like, obviously we can't because he's unconscious, but the patient doesn't get any say in this, which I think we've said without saying a lot of times, but. Yes. The fact that we don't get his viewpoint at all, obviously, because he's unconscious he's stripped of all of his agency yeah like we we don't get him at any point we don't get him after he wakes up you know saying whether he was okay with these decisions or not like he's just literally stripped of all of his agency over what could be a disabling event for him oh yeah that makes me very angry mm-hmm. again guys update your power of attorney yes <laughs> on to violet's book Ugh. another thing yeah. that makes me very angry <laughs> mm-hmm yeah, I'm right there with you. Yep. This is, let's see here. Let me give you a highlight of some of the words I used with my notes Please. about Violet and her book. Yeah. Violet word vomits. Uh, Violet is self-indulgent. <laughs> oh, look, Violet, you introspected, but, you know, you're self-indulgent. 
the fact that she reacts about like, oh, yes, one day your kid is going to read the book about how he was chopped out of his mother from an unstable woman. So you better make sure he tells you tell him all of this before he figures it out from one of his friends whose parent read your book. Yeah, (laughs) I had lots of not so good things to say about Violet. Yeah. Yeah. You go ahead. (laughs) My first note is 837 pages, Violet. That's like four books. Yeah. And I mean, granted, it'll get edited way down, but like, that's a whole lot of word vomit. And and the fact that she was using it as her diary, and then her first thought yeah. was like, let me publish this for public consumption. Yeah, no, that is not my thought when I write my diary. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. <laughs> and, and the fact that her diary was that long. Yeah. Well, that doesn't surprise me all that much because she is a therapist so she's going to be a very introspective person talk it out yeah but the fact that she is like her introspection is so frustrating to me because like i am also a very introspective person it is necessary but i don't word vomit it on people like i am introspected and, and i keep it to myself unless asked for my opinion or to share my experience violet just like spews it to the world and here's a book <laughs> like she spews it to her personal world to her co-workers to these people who are her friends and now she's going to spew it to the entire world okay yeah she went through all seven stages of grief in that shondalog to naomi in the restaurant she, she really did amy brenneman is incredible she is she, she is truly like anyone else playing this role I feel like wouldn't really be believable. Yeah. But for some reason, the way that she does it, as much as I dislike Violet, I'm still like, "Mm, I'm going to give her the benefit of the doubt. Mm, It'll be fine. Yeah. Mm." (laughs) But yeah, Amy Runneman is truly incredible. And then I know it's supposed to be the funny part, but when Sheldon and Naomi are reading the book and she's like, are you done? How about now? Are you done? Let them read. Let them read your book. I had... My note literally said, telling Violet to go away while they read her book. That feels authentic. Yes, that's a mood. That's a mood right there. (laughs) Uh, And then I had another comment on that that says, there's no way they read 837 pages that fast. No. (laughs) They're still in the same clothes that they had on that morning. So it's the same day. There's no way. And we're meant to believe it's like 20 minutes. Yeah. No. (laughs) It's weird to call it a memoir when she's in her 40s, isn't it? That I don't know. I don't really know the proper terminology around that. Would it be more considered an autobiography when you're younger versus a memoir? I feel like maybe I just recently read um, Jessica Simpson's book and highly suggest, especially if you're a child of the uh, 90s and early 2000s, it really puts another spin on, you know, what we all saw going on in that poor woman's life. And I think that's called an autobiography. A memoir, I just feel like, would be someone, like, either posthumously. Well, no, you can can write your own memoir. Oh, yeah, definitely, but, like, published posthumously. Oh. Or... I don't know. Or just, like, yes, she has lived a big life and... I'm not at all trying to minimize the trauma that she's gone through, but maybe call it like (laughs) another word that's not coming to my mind, like reactions or, um, yeah, memory, 
memories is the wrong word. Well, it's funny that you say memories because memoir. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Responding to trauma, maybe? Sure. Well, and I don't even, you know, remember, she doesn't mention a title, so. No, she doesn't. I don't know. I guess memoir does sound weird, but I don't, I don't know what would be better. Yeah. I got nothing. Now I get kind of silly, kind of not silly because it's still authentic. Okay. Okay. 16 minutes and four seconds in the scene in Violet and Pete's house, Lucas is playing with this like wood swirly block toy <gasps> that I definitely- I remember those. Yeah. Did you have it? I definitely, I definitely had it. I feel like my cousins had it. It was in every pediatrician in the 90s, but I haven't yes. really seen it in the wild for so long that it was like not a jump scare in a bad way, but like a, ooh, <laughs> Like a recognizing. Um, And I don't think I've really noticed it before on here when Lucas is playing with it. And then at 28 minutes and 30 seconds, now it's in her office. Do we think they have two of them? Does it travel back and forth? I have such an attachment to this toy. I need to know. I'm going to say there's probably one that lives permanently in the office that like they trade around amongst their individual offices yeah you know like maybe violet because has it because she had a kid client that day and then maybe it goes over to pete because you know he's the pediatrician or then they put it in the waiting room so i could see there being more than one it's like the original because um, you're right they were in like yes they really were and they were in every single pediatrician's office in the 90s mm-hmm. like straight up they just were my dentist even had one i can't remember if we had one at home or not i don't think we did I think I just remember playing with them in doctor's offices. Did you ever play it with it with a friend and like you would take one shape and your friend would take one shape and then you would yes. race to see who could get there? Yes. Uh-huh. Yes. Yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yep. And then you would also do them in reverse order to see like where you'd meet up. Yeah. Again, where the middle know? was. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Oh, yeah. When uh, last Last <laughs> night when I was watching it, I was like, is this a Mandela effect thing? Like, am I the only one who remembers this and has such like... No. strong memories of it good i'm glad definitely not yeah i'm right here with you yeah again when violet is talking to pete she says or is it cooper i think it's pete see i always do this i can't remember if it's pete or cooper this always happens in my brain that i mix them up in my brain i know that they're not actually similar but like thinking back i, I don't know what it is no it's their proximity to violet i get it i do it too. yeah Violet says, telling my story and helping other people. I'm wondering who she's helping exactly because as far as I know, having your baby cut out of you is not really that universal an experience, thankfully. Yeah, I could see how people could read her story and analogize it to like an assault that they had or like, you know, something like something traumatic that happened to them. Traumatic birth, yeah. But ultimately, yeah, ultimately the way I see this is and maybe i'm just cynical no i think i think i'm gonna think what you're saying helping other people in violet's brain is telling my story and helping myself (laughs) yeah the only people that violet helps by telling her story is violet like that's that's where my brain goes yeah Uh, and again maybe i'm just cynical when it comes to violet but like if you are i am as well and i was saying like i really don't strongly dislike violet i just think that she needs her own therapist these this watch through I've been doing like with you with the pod and when I come on episodes I do not remember disliking Violet this much I know like I feel like I used to really love Violet and 
that is not how I feel on this watch through at all. I don't know. Yeah. Well, I think when I first watched Private Practice 2, for me at least, my opinion of Violet was very informed by the fact that I used to watch Judging Amy. Yes. And I loved Amy Brenneman. Yeah. <laughs> so I think that that may have colored it back then. And now I'm just far enough detached from it. <laughs> I'm far enough detached from it that it's not a factor anymore. I'm sorry. He just Don't came be up behind sorry. me and he nudged wants cuddles. the crap out of me. Give him Hi. cuddles right now. Oh my god. <laughs> Please leave this in. Uh listeners, Orphe has literally crawled into my lap. He's got a paw across my lap and he's licking your like ice cream. The crap out of my chin. Hi, buddy. Oh my Hi, god. are you hugging me? Are you giving me hugs? Pete says, once it's out there, you can never take it back. Yep. And I said, I think every family influencer, family, and every influence, anyone who ever, like, posts a TikTok of them farting, I think they all need to yeah. hear that. Yeah, I agree with you. I, um, you know, that was, that was impressed upon me when I was first studying forensics because Facebook was just starting to become a thing. Yeah. And I remember all of my college professors being like, yeah, so you guys are going to be public figures yeah. uh your life is going to be discoverable yeah. by attorneys so like don't be dumb and I also think to like when when Pete said that I specifically thought to the fact that you know when you foster kids and foster to adopt kids you know they have very strict rules about social media you're not allowed to post pictures of the kids faces yes on any of your social medias until, you know, you adopt them and the adoption is final. That's when you're allowed to. And I'm really familiar with this because a good friend of mine fostered to adopted their kid. They got her when she was like two days old mm. and she's seven years old now. And for the whole first year, I never saw her face because yeah. they lived far away from me, yeah. you know? And so I, I just never saw her face. And the minute she got adopted, they were allowed to. Um, but like, there's a reason for that. Yeah. You know, there's, there's a reason for that. And, and it, it bothers me a little bit when parents post the crap out of their kids and it's like, okay, your kid's not old enough to get permission for that. Yeah. So like, yikes. Yeah, really. But, I agree. I agree. Yeah. Says someone who has an entire but, Instagram dedicated to their dog. I mean, yeah. It's different. Yeah. It's different. It is different. <laughs> it's very different for many reasons. Yeah. But, but Pete's right. Telling my like, story and helping other people, sharing her with the world. Right. Exactly. That see, I think sharing a dog with the world is way more helpful than sharing your trauma. Oh yeah. <laughs> and more entertaining. Obviously I have my priorities straight. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but no, but I think Pete's right though, because like this is it would be one thing if this was like a traumatic thing that happened to Violet and somehow there were no other people involved. But this is a traumatic thing that happened to Violet and her kid and Pete. You know, like, but she's also talking about Katie. Yes. Yeah. And that's, I mean, I, it's an interesting conversation to have. How much of your agency do you give up by committing that some sort of like horrific thing against another person? Yeah. But like, you should still have right to privacy, right? Like, I mean, I don't it's know. public knowledge. It's public knowledge yeah. that she did that. And because it is. she went to trial, 
that is also public record and she the story has been told before in a public setting that's kind of where I put where I come at it from well and I'm not even necessarily landing on the side that I'm proposing I'm just like it's an interesting conversation to have Mm -hmm. you know like at what point does someone give up the right to not have that detail about their life told to the world you know I, I think probably before they commit the crime yeah that's fair yeah, I don't know. My last note about Violet in her book is Cooper doesn't get to read it. Why isn't Cooper getting to yeah, read it? That felt very weird. I don't know if we just are like assuming that she didn't give it to Cooper because maybe for once Violet was thinking about not just herself and was like, hmm, Cooper's got a lot going on. Maybe I don't give it to him. Yeah. <laughs> but that doesn't actually feel character. Not at all. In character with Violet. I would, like I feel like Violet would just give it to him. Anyway. I would have Cooper read it before I'd have Sheldon read it. I mean, but the yeah. thing is that if we're going at it from the point of who is in the book, Sheldon's in the book probably because Sheldon was a possible yeah. father. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that felt weird. Mm-hmm. And like that is definitely a part that I would think that she would not specifically want Lucas to know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but then again, it's Violet. So I would imagine she's going to word vomit all over her kid too. So he's probably going to know it already. Yeah. yeah sorry I sound like I really don't like Violet which is true but maybe I'm being a little harsh well here's the thing (laughs) like the first time I watched Grey's I loved Izzy like I identified with Izzy more than any other character I loved her like my first photoshop assignment in school I photoshopped my face onto a promo picture of her yeah and then I liked her for like Less and less kind of as I got older. Yeah. My rewatch before this one, I was like, oh, dear God, she's terrible. But now this rewatch, I'm like, she has a lot of unresolved trauma. She she doesn't – I'm like giving her grace and liking something she does again. I'm like, yeah, I would want my doctor to get a little bit involved with me. Not that involved with me, but like I appreciate the humanity she brings to the situation that Christina and Alex and sometimes Meredith do not. Yeah. I mean, we we are humans and our opinions will evolve and change. Yeah. Um, as our perspective and lenses on these characters evolve and change. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I guess I just didn't – for the record – yeah (laughs) like from from the get-go I never really liked Izzy but I guess I never saw myself disliking Violet this much yeah is what I will say as a as a final word on it is I I never would have guessed with how much I liked her to begin with that I would ever get to this place where I really really don't like her character and like everything she does makes me angry Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. can't wait to see where we go from here (laughs) yeah All right, let's move on to our Charlotte aftermath. As another reminder, these timestamps will be in our show notes. And if you'd like to avoid it, take a look and you can see where we end. What's your first note? I have a note about Cooper going to Sheldon. Like, essentially, I'm saying, like, I actually think it's really sweet that Cooper is, like, seeking out advice Mm -hmm. and, like, thought to go to Sheldon to talk to him about it in what felt like actually a pretty professional way. Like he was just like, hi, you know these things. Can you help me? But it did slightly irk me a little bit that he, like, I don't know. I have mixed feelings. That he went to Sheldon first 
I think I'm okay with it if he went to Sheldon in a way that was like, how can I prepare myself and be in the right headspace to talk to Charlotte? Mm -hmm. If he felt like he wasn't prepared to talk to Charlotte, he didn't want to talk to her in a way that would like make it worse. But at the same time, it's like, why don't you just talk to your girlfriend? Like, like, because that's what Sheldon tells her to do. It's like, yeah, just talk to her. Like, come on, dude, this is not that hard. I do think it is beneficial for him to get that word vomit out before he talks to Charlotte. Yeah, that's true. But yeah, that's true. Our episode with Sheree at the time of airing did not air yet, but an episode that airs tomorrow, we talk a lot about this as well. So I'm excited for you to hear it. Oh, cool. Okay. Mostly about how like it says a lot that Cooper goes to Sheldon on this because it says, I want the help of a a professional versus Sheldon going – I mean versus Cooper going to Violet of saying, I want to hear from my best friend. It says a lot about his intentions. It does for sure because I think he knows that if he were to go to Violet, it would be – like he could maybe get therapist Violet, but it would be therapist Violet peppered in with friend Violet versus Sheldon, where it's just going to be therapist. And Sheldon, she would probably you know? go to Charlotte. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. She would. Now, all of that being said, I would just like to impart the wisdom to Cooper of closing the door before screaming your private life to Sheldon in front of the entire office. I understand it's for effect and that this is a television show, but. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you know, uh why would we close doors ever? Um that's just silly. Yeah, no, closing the door would be a great idea when you're going to have a very sensitive conversation with a therapist about your girlfriend and her, you know, sexual assault and trauma in an office where everyone knows all of the involved parties. Yeah, you know, just maybe close the door. Yeah. Another directing note, I really liked the directing in this episode. Sheldon sitting down on the couch with Cooper is such an intentional direction of let's chat instead of I am your therapist. And I really appreciate that he did that. It kind of put them on like a quote unquote even playing field. Yes. Yep. Instead of sitting across from him. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. I have a note that I thought of you. Cooper says, I canceled a couple of patients today. And wow, I would be so mad if my doctor just canceled appointments with no backup provider. Like the patients and the patient's parents probably took off of work to be there as well. And I'm really, I was so annoyed at just that and thinking about that, that I had to rewind to watch the cute fried chicken sandwich again because I couldn't try fried chicken sandwich, fried chicken scene again because I couldn't appreciate it because I was too annoyed the first time I had to rewind. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that is a um, very real thing that happens quite a lot. And like, depending on the specialist, that's how much annoyance I get. When it's like my neurosurgeon, I'm like, okay, you you actually probably had a really good reason for canceling on me. Like you had an emergency surgery yeah. or something. You're a neurosurgeon. Fine, fine, whatever. But like versus my pain management doctor who it's like no literally all you do is sit in an office and talk to people about their pain all day so like no um (laughs) just it is yeah it's incredibly obnoxious especially these days given that it takes like six to eight months to get into a specialist Mm -hmm. so and addison also said she canceled all her all her surgeries for that day as well so, I mean, and an appointment is one thing, but a surgery is another thing. Like, I'm nervous about that for months yes. and counting down to the days. 
And you take off time for work and you like have to get someone else to take off time for work because they have to take you to and from. And Yeah. 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 And yeah. I do know that during the beginning of COVID in like early 2020, I know that a lot of elective surgeries were canceled. And those are things like hip replacements or breast augmentation or something like that. Not that those two things are really comparable, <laughs> but I mean they aren't. But yeah, but also they can be yeah. depending on the situation. Yeah. So I know that like elective surgeries are canceled, but I'm not sure what no. surgeries Addison is doing that are elective. Well, I mean, hilariously enough, surgeries that you wouldn't necessarily think are elective are like a lot of surgeries to remove tumors and stuff are actually considered to be elective in some situations because like you could just get chemo you don't have to have surgery oh, boy. right yeah it's wild the system that classifies what's considered an elective and what's considered a necessary and the ways that you can actually mess with the system a little bit to get something that's usually considered elective not to be elective and the other way around Healthcare in America. <laughs> we do have a lot of international listeners. I look at our analytics and we have a lot of listeners oh, really? from the UK. Oh. Well, and to be clear, the UK has its own problems too. Oh, absolutely. It's not like I'm saying that like, you know, the UK system is Perfect. five million times better than the American one, but the American healthcare system is a very particular brand of dysfunctional. Yes, it sure is. It sure is. <laughs> Cooper putting on his napkin bib and how properly he put it on like he was sitting with like the dowager countess of grantham it really made me it made me laugh my line is literally him tucking the napkin into his collar is so childish but also so cooper i know <laughs> like it felt perfect for his character like yes cooper would do that so cute absolutely so cute it's real cute <laughs> also this this entire storyline made me want fried chicken so bad in a way that i didn't realize how much i missed good fried chicken so interesting yeah, <laughs> yeah no good fried chicken man and being gluten-free it, you can't really get it anymore no. so so the scene with naomi and charlotte naomi i just really wish that naomi would have said Okay, so what she did say is nothing can come between you and Cooper except for you. And I, I just really wish that she would have said something like, it'll take time, be kind and patient with yourself, yeah. it won't be like this forever. Yeah. Because Charlotte's yeah. already blaming herself, and by yeah. the way that Naomi phrased it, I could see her blaming herself even more. Yep. And I know that Naomi meant well by it, and she was like, you yeah. have the strength to overcome this. Like, you can do it. Which is true, but not the right thing to say right now. Because Charlotte already feels guilty enough about not being ready. Yeah. I I won't get into, like, the super details of my notes on this section just because I don't want to be, you know, super insensitive to, like, viewers and stuff. But, like, some of the things that I actually did love, the makeup crew for charlotte oh, yeah for this episode in the last few she just like looks so hollowed out yeah like i don't know what exactly they're doing or if it's just that the actress is katie strickland is that yeah. her name it's just like doing such a good job but she just looks like someone who has just been going yeah. through it and it's impressive to me like it felt very real which 
is a difficult place to get to for this kind of storyline. So I'm just like overall super impressed with them. Some of the other comments I have, I appreciate very much aside from that one line that you brought up with Naomi, that whole conversation between Naomi and Charlotte, like that felt very validating Mm -hmm. for Charlotte. Um, And like aside, again, aside from that one line, what Charlotte needed to hear. I also, every single time, every single time that they got into bed together, it made me really uncomfortable. I was thinking more in terms of like the knowing you're going through your whole day at the office, seeing your patients, maybe being able to get distracted a little bit, getting home, starting to wind down. And like the anxiety of knowing that this moment is coming every single night. That that would have been really hard. Um, And I think that, again, this actress does such a good job of playing it. Like it just, it feels very authentic to me. The way that it's written, the way that it's acted out, it, it feels like really, really authentic to me. And lastly, I just love that they brought fried chicken to bed. Yeah. Like, yes, that is exactly what we needed to do right now. Good, 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 good. I know. This scene this, <laughs> Thank this you. scene was so cute. I said laughing about intimacy yes. is the sweetest thing that I've seen these two do in a long time. Well, and like, you know that you are really intimate with a person when you can laugh about your intimacy and nobody feels bad. Yeah. Like... That's when you know you've really gotten to a place of closeness where it's like, yes, we're laughing about this thing. No one's going to walk away from it thinking that we were laughing at each other. We're literally just laughing at this situation we're in. Okay, my last Charlotte notes is when when Charlotte goes in to ask Violet for advice about a mutual experience. Violet goes, you could read about it in my book yeah my last charlotte notes are also about violet yeah violet read the room wrong time god that's yep my literally says violet just talk to charlotte don't talk about your book get over yourself but the world revolves around dr violet turner uh and then i mean it really does and then my last one is kind of what we talked about briefly before i really don't like Charlotte thanking Violet for trauma dumping her own trauma onto Charlotte. That whole thing was really inappropriate and Violet really shouldn't get credit for it. So, you know. That's that's one of the things where the writers wrote it. Charlotte didn't say it. That's one of those things. Even the way that the lines were delivered, I was like, she doesn't want to say this. Yeah, it felt that way to me too. Or she's just like keeping the peace. Yeah, go from that way as well. Yeah, I could see that too. Yeah, um, go ahead, finish out your Charlotte notes. That's actually all I got. That was my last. Same, one. same. I like that these are getting more about healing and yes. not moving on, but this is more of like a life goes on section, learning to live with. Yes, than yeah. than it has been for the last few episodes of just like we will always have a content warning, but. It's the like the content warning was necessary for the last few episodes. And this is the first one where I'm like, we're going to put a content warning, obviously. But if we didn't, we didn't. It wouldn't be the end of the world. Yeah. Yeah. And I I think too, like, I'm not I don't necessarily know how I feel about this this particular thing being structured as the turning point, but given Charlotte and Cooper's relationship, I am more okay with it. 
for them, the turning point of learning how to live with this trauma Mm -hmm. versus reacting to this trauma like you initially do when it happens to you definitely in my brain lives as them getting back to a sex life because they were such like sex positive people before you know like that in my head if they are getting to that place that is actually a good pivot point for their storyline in my opinion yeah I don't think it would necessarily work for other couples but I think for them it works yeah on to miscellaneous at a minute and 46 seconds this is when Naomi and Violet are in the restaurant together. Naomi's necklace is beautiful. Oh, I didn't notice it. It's a strand of separated pearls. It really uh-huh. it it really just grabbed my attention. It was so beautiful. I'll go back and look for it. She wears it throughout the episode. Oh, okay. Then I'll have to go back and look for it. And everyone's hair in this episode, everyone's hair is absolutely incredible, literally everyone. I also noticed that. Yeah. Yeah. What's your first misc note? Well, I have one that's Addison um, shirt centric. My the first half of it says, "I don't know how I feel about this gray satin shirt." It's the one that Addison is wearing nearer the beginning of yeah. the episode, and then it transitions to, "Okay, but this gray pant and white gray top is much better." <laughs> Addison's in a better place. <laughs> yeah. Anytime I see satin or silk on screen, knowing how long they wear it for, like, I could never. It would have stains all over it. It would have, like, sweat stains, foods. I – Well, and to me, it felt very much like like she was putting on this shirt because it would make busy happy shirts. Yes, yes, yes. (laughs) You know, an inconvenient shirt. Of course, that's the one that would make busy happy. Yeah, it would. An ad for the menu aired during the show, and that's Paul Adelstein's new movie. Oh, fun. And it's probably too scary for me, but I'll watch it anyway for my coop. Oh, I I don't like scary movies, so I probably won't do it, it but that's It nice. looks more of like a thriller, like a psychological thriller type of movie. Yeah. But I think I'll still watch it for my coopy. All right. You, how about you screen it for me? Okay. Let me know how scary it okay, is. Okay, it might not be soon. Then maybe I will. Yeah. Okay, that's fine. Yeah. Doesn't have to be soon. Okay. Sometime in the next <laughs> 40 years. I have one other miscellaneous note, but like I will let you get through yours first and then I'll I'll bring it up. Um I only have because it's not it's not really a like show centric miscellaneous note. Okay. I only have two more. Okay. Busy and Naomi's earrings are very similar to to each other in that like oh. chandelier teardrop style. But Busy's are more they're like tiny rhinestones, probably diamonds. And Naomi is pearls. So it was interesting to oh. me that like probably arguably the two closest women in Addison's life are wearing similar but very different jewelry. Interesting. Yeah. Again, I didn't notice that. I need to pay closer attention to the jewelry. It's no, it's fine. It's it's I lo- No, 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 but I'm like a huge earring person. I should have noticed. True. I'm disappointed in myself. True. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> You, you look at the other stuff much better than I do. That's true. I love that they always have Lucas either eating food or playing with toys. That's the best way to ensure that a kid on set will stay calm. Like no matter how calm of a child they are, it's long hours oh and it's a lot of like – I didn't even think about yeah, that. Yeah, he's either eating or playing with toys. And for as, huh. as, much, as, as much as they're, you know, just doing lots of stuff, he's always doing something else. 
I never thought about that, but that's actually really smart. Is that just like a general rule of thumb with kids on set? Like, is that how that's supposed to go? I think it depends on their age. Okay. But, I mean, babies are generally either going to be sleeping or just waking up from a nap or just fed or like, and then when you get to toddler age, it's a really good idea to always have them occupied because toddlers don't know not to look in the camera. Right. yeah. 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 Huh. Interesting. Also on um, one of a recent episode of Grey's when Joe and Luna and Bailey and Prue are walking through the park together, the girls both have snacks. Yeah. yeah, I saw that. I did mostly because they like brought attention to it when Bailey was like, we have snacks, we have sunscreen, we have this, <laughs> we have, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> As opposed to like a couple seasons ago, in Joe and Luna and Link and Scout were in the park watching that Shakespeare scene like outdoors. Yes. And I don't really think the kids were actually in there for most of the shots because the strollers no. were faced the other way. And it's like, aren't they there yeah. to watch the show? Watch. Yeah, right. <laughs> What's your miscellaneous note that isn't super related? It's actually about the music. And then this is where we hilariously enough get our EDS connection. So the song that plays over the surgery, like there was kind of a montage thing in there, but the the actual surgery on Susan mm-hmm. was like a good chunk of the montage is a song. It's called I'm in here. It's by Sia. And I don't know, the song itself just felt really good to me. Like it felt like a good song for the moment, especially if you go read the lyrics. Yeah. I had the captions on, so I saw the lyrics. Yeah. They were like, perfection the eds connection comes in because sia has eds i didn't know that yeah so yeah so she has eds but i would like to note two things for listeners she doesn't widely advocate for it which is fine it's totally fine because eds is not always the only identity that you have and yep go ahead i know what you're gonna say you can cut this out if you want to I, i know what you're gonna say go ahead And also, Sia decided to put this movie together called Music, which is about an autistic girl, and it pretty much appropriated autism without any autistic representation. And when the autistic community called Sia out for doing this, she did the exact opposite of what an ally should do, and that was to push back against every single thing that people brought up to her that were could have been improved in the production of the movie. And the reason I'm explaining this is because I want to let everybody know that disabled people can still have internalized ableism and still commit ableist acts. So just keep that in mind. <laughs> so yeah, that, that's our that's our EDS connection to the episode is, is that song that plays is Written by somebody who has EDS. For as rare of a disease, in quotes, it is, I feel like so many people have it. Yeah, so it's kind of fun that you bring that up. Um, We don't actually think, like... Underdiagnosed. Should be clear. Yeah, so there are, and I I definitely touched on this when I talked last time, but there are 14 subtypes of EDS. Mm -hmm. And 13 of them absolutely are rare. For sure. They're rare. But there is one that is probably not rare at all, is probably underdiagnosed. It's the one that I have. It's the one that Sia has. It's the one that Jamila Jamil has. Most of the people that I have brought up to you that I've told you that have EDS have that subtype, the one that's probably not all that rare and is actually just very underdiagnosed. 
Sam style is Naomi. I said fire emoji, fire emoji, fire emoji because she looked so <laughs> gorgeous. She did. She has this electric blue sleeveless dress on. It has a sweetheart neckline. Her hair is up in a low pony that's sort of like not – it's not like super tight. It's like relaxed low pony, one of my favorite styles mm-hmm. of ponytail. And the same pearl necklace and earrings that she had on earlier that I talked about. Now that I'm looking at it from a dramaturgical costume perspective, I bet William got that set for her before he died. Oh, yeah. And that's why she's wearing it. Yep, that's some swanky jewelry. So, yeah, that's got to have a deep pocket. Yeah. 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 I could see that. Mm -hmm. Okay, so our guest star spotlight for this episode is going to be Tara Summers, who played Janelle, the mistress of Corey, on this episode. So Tara Summers was born in 1979 in London. She's actually a British actress. Ooh. Yeah. Some of her credits include What a Girl Wants. Please tell me you oh, know Oh, of what course. I am an Amanda okay, Bynes great. love. Great. Wonderful. Okay. So What a Girl Wants, Dirt. Um, she actually had a, a pretty long-running character on Boston Legal, CSI New York, mm-hmm. Sons of Anarchy, The Newsroom, The Good Wife, American Crime Story, Madam Secretary, Elementary, and then the one I'm leaving for last is The Ringer. Have you ever seen The Ringer? I haven't. It's scary, right? It's not really scary. It's a television show. The reason why I left it for last is because it stars our love. Sarah Michelle Gellar. And Peggy Lee has done jewelry for them. Now I'm looking at, I'm thinking, where have I seen it? It's from her oh, website. Oh, really? Oh my gosh, yeah. how funny. Mm-hmm. Oh, cool. Neat. Okay, so yeah, she was also on The Ringer. Um, and then the last note that I have for her is kind of interesting. And I'm not going to give you the name of the show because it has a slur in it. Okay. Um, but she wrote, produced, and starred in her own autobiographical show, stage show that chronicled her parents and her experience as a child in her parents' household because her parents threw all these, like, swanky parties and, like, her mother was addicted to cocaine. And Mm -hmm. she talks about the fact that, like, Diane von Furstenberg was her godmother and the fact that Art Garfunkel used to sing her lullabies. (gasps) So, like, it sounds like she led a pretty interesting childhood. Yeah. Oh, so we'll look up that title ourselves. Yes. But, yeah, so Tara Summers. Tara Summers is our guest star spotlight. That's so interesting. Thank you very much. Yeah, of course. Our trivia for this episode. This episode scored 7.67 million viewers. Something that I've been thinking about in how deep we're diving in and seeing the actual numbers is how high the ratings and watching numbers were for Charlotte's attack. And then they go down from there. And I think that really speaks to America and culture. The way we sensationalize trauma. Yes, trauma and true crime and the recovering, recovering and moving forward from trauma is not as cared about by the general public. And the optimist side of me would like to think that some of that inflated number is is people who don't necessarily watch private practice, but who are interested in an assault story so that they could identify with it. But I think that the 
cynical side and probably more realistic side of me agrees with you and it's more about sensationalizing trauma than it is about people identifying with it it's a good three million more people yeah that's a lot it's the highest rated episode of the entire series oh wow i didn't realize that holy crap yeah okay so there's that Anne Russo plays an ER nurse in both this episode of Private Practice and an episode of Grey's Anatomy. Oh, I thought that was super interesting, uh, especially because, like, I know how central casting works, and that's definitely very possible, but also how there are real traveling nurses who go all around the world where they're needed to, like – it's like the yep. the hospital equivalent of a vac- of a vacation swing in a large show, like a Wicked or a Chicago or something like that. Well, it's funny when I was like looking up stuff for this episode, and especially when I was trying to get into the guest star spotlight. Um, relatedly, on some websites, people try to call the character that Anne Cusack played in Grey's Susan Grant as well. Like, that's not actually her name on the episode of Grey's, but a lot of people, like, go ahead and give her the same name that she had in private practice on Grey's. I don't... Like, it's in the Wikipedia. I don't remember (laughs) her storyline on Grey's. Is it a cancer storyline? No, she's the wife of... Oh, God, it's, like, season two. Burke is the surgeon. She is the wife of a dude who has an aneurysm, a heart aneurysm. A triple A? Not the wife. They were engaged Mm -hmm. and before he was going to have the surgery she left him i remember that do you remember i do but i don't remember it being ann cusack it was ann cusack oh but she was living it's ann cusack but she was living in connecticut with with the montgomery's i know so like on the gray's wiki page they have the names different like they actually give the chicken grays a different name so like so she has a different name, but like on Wikipedia, and I feel like it was on IMDb, they had the same name. They they called her Susan Grant in both in both places, oh, that's weird. and I got really confused because I was like, no, no, that's not no. <laughs> they she was with Busy. She was with Busy. Yeah, they would have made a made a bigger deal about that, right? <laughs> okay, so even though you have seen this episode before and you've seen this series before. We're still going to do our Sarah's suspicions. So, and I've got one and and it's mostly just because I don't remember what happens, but something must happen with this Dr. Rodriguez guy because I don't like him for some reason. I really don't like him. Like his face came on and I was like, "Oh, you." Okay. So something must happen with him. That's the most I'm going to do cuz obviously if I say any of my other suspicions, <laughs> I'm going to be spoilery. That's like how I felt with Noah. Yeah. When he came on the screen, I was like, "Oh god." I don't like you for some reason. Yeah. Like Rory's dad. <laughs> Rory's dad, the cop. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Ratings and MVPs. My MVP is Sam. Okay. For supporting Addison and being as unselfish, really, as he could be about the whole situation. Just wanting what's best for her. I've been really tough on Sam and Addison lately, but this episode, as we said before, they really just put all – of it aside mutually and Sam was really there for her as a friend first which arguably okay. is what they should stay yeah no I like that mine's Naomi Ooh, because she had way more patience than I ever could with Violet and the book thing <laughs> because she seems to be putting aside the feelings she has about the Sam Addison thing to be a friend to Addison and I don't know I just I felt really good about how she was supporting people in this episode. So I would say Naomi. I love that. 
I thought about giving it to her as well, but okay, yeah, all right. So I'm not totally off. No, this. and then I also <laughs> I also thought about giving it to Charlotte, but if I had my way, I'd give Charlotte MVP like almost every episode. So, yeah, you gotta mix it up sometimes. Yeah. even though she is the queen. Yes. <laughs> yes. So <laughs> stay with me here. It is beach related. Okay. Because beaches have been there since the beginning of time. Right. A pre-industrial voyage across the seas. Like, think Game of Thrones, Tudor era, even Outlander. Okay. They really shouldn't have made it through all of those storms that they did. But somehow, some of them, most of them, survived. Addison shouldn't have been able to do that successful surgery on Susan, but she did. If the girlfriend didn't step in, Corey Ramsey would have died. Charlotte and Cooper looked pretty bleak for a while no reason that they should not have it's very understandable but they looked bleak for a while and now it looks as you said like a little bit of a turning point here addison and naomi are bonding and none of that seemed remotely possible just like a dangerous sea voyage before navigation and steam power all right i can see this you no i didn't even really have to hang in for that nope i can see it oh good I'm here for that. Thank you. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. What's yeah. what's your uh, rating? My rating is a purple flag on the beach and what you do with it. Okay. Okay, so should preface this. I don't know if this is how it is on California beaches. I'm used to Florida beaches, but they put flags up every day to let you know, like, you know, Quality. what the tides are like. Yeah. Yep. And at least on Florida beaches, a purple flag means there's marine life in the water. Ooh. Okay. Uh, so that can be any array of marine life. It could be just like fish, but it could also be jellyfish or sharks or dolphins. So I'm saying a purple flag on the beach and what you do with it, okay. because I feel like we've got a lot of warning of creatures with the possibility for attack. Yes. So the precarious situation with busy is kind of a... A shark just under the surface if Addison doesn't perform exactly the way that she's supposed to. Um, The, like, initiation of intimacy between Cooper and Charlotte is kind of a version of swimming in these deep, possibly scary waters, but finding ways to enjoy it anyway. Mm -hmm. Because they're working very carefully to put their pieces back together. So, yeah, just, like, there's marine life in the water, and what are you going to do with it? I really like that. (laughs) Okay, cool. That's great. Hooray. <laughs> well, thank you so much for being on with us today. Yeah, of course. I'm always happy to, to join. Thank you for joining us for this week's episode of Beach Houses and Babies, a private practice recap podcast. Please follow us on Instagram at BHAB Podcast and be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, or wherever else you listen to be the first to hear future episodes. You can find me at Samantha G. Harris on all social media. And you can follow me at Sick Kid Chemist on Instagram. If you'd like to support Beach Houses and Babies, please consider leaving us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify now and sharing with a friend. It really helps people learn about the show and we might read your review on the podcast. You can also become a member of our Patreon community at patreon.com slash bhabpodcast. On our next episode, we'll be discussing Private Practice Season 4, Episode 12. They are available to stream on Hulu and can be purchased on iTunes, Amazon, DVD, and more. If you have thoughts you'd like to share with us on these episodes, 
Or if you're able to send me a high-res version of that pic of Addison's eyes and all those pictures for me to frame in my studio, please DM us on Instagram at bhabpodcast or email us at bhabpodcast at gmail.com to be featured on our listener mail segment. Thanks for listening. BHAB Podcast will be back in two weeks. TGIT. Who squeaked at me? Did you squeak at me? Are you squeaking at me? Nola. It's Savannah. Savannah. My pretty girl. I know. Oh, everybody's here now. And we got Salem. Salem. Mwah. And we got Nola. There you are. Just <laughs> beautiful. And last but not least, Augustine. Adoptable Augustine. Yeah. I know. <laughs> oh my gosh they're so cute little pains in the butts yes hi everyone i see you <laughs>